everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on episode number 263 of the Real Life Runners podcast. Today, we're going to talk about how to set yourself up for race success through base building. Many people think that base building just means running more miles, but this is an incomplete definition that ignores other aspects of your running foundation. This often leads to suboptimal performance, frustration over lack of progress, feeling exhausted, or not peaking at the right time for your best race performance. So there are three things that you must keep in mind when building your base for a race. So if you want to know what those things are, keep listening. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. Okay, so base building, I love this concept behind it. There's a lot of people that may not even know the term behind base building, or if they do, most people associate base building with simply throwing a whole heck of a lot of miles at it. Do you know where the term even came from? Uh, Probably one of the- Not off the top of my head. Okay. One of the legendary running coaches. I mean, my, my first thought leans towards Lydiard because his, his system kind of broke it down of mm-hmm. there was a, an opening phase with a large amount. Like most people say, oh, Lydiard's high miles, but he had it cycles. And the first one was a large amount of, of slower miles, but is quote unquote slower. Like it was still pretty brisk. Mm-hmm. And then from that, it moved into his like hills bounding phase. And then it moved into an insane amount of repeats on a track. Mm-hmm. Like So sure. Then the beginning of that was literally putting a whole lot of miles into it, Yeah, but he like it, it named the cycles, but during each one, it never really ignored a lot of other things. And that's where people try and shortcut often the, what base building is, is, mm-hmm. oh, base building means a whole lot of easy miles. And for some people adding in a whole lot of extra easy miles is a good source of base for them. But for other people, it completely misses the point of what they're currently lacking as their running foundation. Yeah. I mean, I think that most people, especially the real life runners, the recreational runners that we like to talk to, right. We're not talking in most cases to professional runners, professional runners have a different way to train. I believe that we need to take some of what professional runners do and apply it to our lives, Mm -hmm. but it's, we still have to take into account, like we have other lives outside of running that professional runners might not also have, right? Some, some of them do, some of them don't, but they can structure their training differently than most of us that have full-time jobs and other things going on. I mean, there's, there's a different lifestyle, but there's also like you can't ignore the fact that professional runners are running at different paces. Right. So their ability to accomplish 10 miles is very different timeline mm-hmm. than other people's ability to accomplish 10 miles. Yeah. And that you can't just dismiss that and be like, oh, well, it's 10 miles on their schedule. I'll put 10 miles on my schedule. Those are completely different things in terms of how the body's reacting, how long that takes, mm-hmm. how, how much difficulty that is for someone running 140 miles a week, right. going out on a 10 mile might be like, oh, it's my relaxing second run of the day. Whereas mm-hmm. other people are like, okay, I did a 10 mile and then I needed to take a nap and I was just a wreck the whole next day. Yeah. And that's why a lot of times we talk about time-based training versus mileage-based training yeah. and how, you know, going out and running for 45 minutes or for an hour versus going out with a set mileage that you want to hit can be very beneficial because it's, taking what you need to do and just putting somewhat of a cap on it, right? Like, like you said, those professional runners are out there running 10 miles, but they're probably running them in around an hour, right? Like at the pace that they're going, they're going to be, yeah, but but they're going to be around that hour mark, right? Versus 
some of us might take more like two hours to run 10 miles, right? right? That's a very different stress on the body. That's a very different with what your body is going to need to do in order to recover from that run, just because of the length of time that you're out there. So that's kind of a, an unplanned tip of like, you know, trying to schedule and structure your plan with time versus mileage can actually be very beneficial for a lot of runners. Right. I, I personally like the combo. Um, if you're training for a specific race distance, something of a longer race distance, Mm -hmm. you can't say, all right, I'm going to train for a marathon, but I'm going to cap my runs at an hour and a half. Right. Like uh, if you're aiming for a five hour marathon and the Mm -hmm. longest you've ever gone is an hour and a half, there's going to be an issue. Like you got to get closer to the, the, the full 26 miles, but on a day-to-day on like weekday basis, Mm -hmm. I don't think that every run needs to be, well, I have to make sure I'm getting at least six miles in. Like, Mm -hmm. no, maybe you have to be making sure that you get in 45 minutes, maybe somewhere in that 45 to 60 minute range, whatever that happens to get you that day. Mm -hmm. We've talked so much about taking into account how you feel, the weather, the stress in your own life. Like if you were aiming for a 50 minute run, and sometimes that gets you five miles, but today that got you four and a half. Well, then four and a half was going to be the answer today. Yeah. But we're, I mean, we're kind of getting off topic a little bit here. So let's just kind of pull it back in and, and talk Thank more you. about base building. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't exactly a smooth transition. We're like, okay, let's go back over here. Um, but our topic of the day is base building, right? And so, like we said, base building is not just building mileage. There's a lot more that goes into your own personal running foundation and building up a strong running foundation. A lot of that is miles. That's that's true. We're not ignoring that, right? And like Kevin said, a lot of us can benefit from just adding in some extra easy miles, extra time on our feet, especially those of us that tend to push a little too hard, tend to push more into that medium to moderate range. Adding truly easy mileage is actually very, very beneficial for a whole lot of reasons. And we've talked about those in previous episodes. So today we kind of want to go through this three things that we want you to keep in mind when building up your base for a race. You know, if you've got a race especially if it's a distance that you've never covered before, even if you have covered that, you can still kind of build your base up before you jump into a race training cycle. And that can be very, very beneficial. So first thing we want you to keep in mind is to know where you have been. Okay. Use what you've already done to your advantage, because a lot of times we tend to ignore our personal running history. Like we say, okay, I'm going to train for this half marathon. Now I'm going to jump into this cycle. And a lot of times we don't really think about what we've done in the past. Sometimes we do, or it's kind of like an afterthought, right? But a lot of times people will treat their training plans as independent from one another, right? Mm -hmm. Like right now I'm going to train for a half marathon or, you know, I'm going to train for a 10K or a 5K. And what happens if you do this, if you kind of treat your training plans as independent of each other um, and kind of race hop, right? Our training plan, like just jump from plan to plan to plan. A lot of times what we see is that there's a lot of work, but there's no reward. Like you don't end up getting that PR that you've really, really been hoping for and working for because a lot of times people will train for a race and then they'll kind of have this in-between period, right? Yes. Where they kind of decline. (laughs) The gray zone. The gray. So- Because a lot of people think that they need a race on the calendar in order to stay consistent. Like we've heard that so many times, Mm -hmm. like I just need to find a race because right now I'm not consistent. And if I have a race on the calendar, then I will actually go out and run. And so what happens is during that, say, 12 week period that they're training for a race. 
they will be consistent, right? They'll, they'll notice that they're gaining in their fitness and then they run the race and then they kind of have like this downtime and don't get us wrong. Like downtime after a race is a very good thing, especially if it's a longer race. So yeah. Post-race recovery. I totally absolutely on board important. With yeah. And that, but that length of recovery is different for every person and for every race distance, right? So you don't want that recovery to just kind of like indefinitely start stretching out because what happens then is that you start losing fitness, right? And so all the fitness that you've built up in that 12 week period during your race training cycle is now kind of starting to fade away. And then you kind of float around, maybe you get some runs in and then you are like, okay, well, I better find another race. And then you pick another race. But by that time, a lot of times the fitness has already started to fade away, right? Mm -hmm. So then you have to rebuild up and you've jump into that next training cycle. And then you rebuild your fitness again through that training plan. But since you declined, that second training cycle isn't really effectively using all the fitness that you built in the first training cycle to progress you forward. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a big part of that is falling off of your first plan because the race ended then you retired mm-hmm. appropriately. So maybe sore following the race yeah. and push yourself really hard. And so you need a few days, maybe even a couple of weeks to recover, depending on how hard you pushed, how sore you are and whatever, but you need some logical way to transition from all of that work, all of that benefit that you've gained into the next plan. You know, if you had never run say a half marathon and you just use the last 12 weeks to build yourself from being able to run five miles to being able to go out and run 13 miles. And then you went out and raced 13 miles you suddenly don't need to be like, oh man, my long run is probably five. Like your race plan for, for your next half marathon does not necessarily need to start at five miles. You might be capable of more than that. Mm -hmm. So you don't need to use so much time trying to gradually, slowly progress your, your ability to run a, a longer distance week upon week, because you're already partway through, Mm -hmm. go back and look at what you've gained from the last cycle. Maybe what you're missing now, because you've been focusing on running, aiming towards a half marathon, aiming for running for a couple of hours. Maybe if you spend a little bit of time keying in, kind of hold on to, I can run a decent distance, but key in on maybe now I'm going to focus on a little bit of speed because Mm -hmm. that's one of the things I'm missing. And I can hold on to that endurance that I've managed to build up over the last cycle. It's a matter of like, not losing the the benefits that you've gained from the last one, kind of holding onto those while building up new things. Right. If you're capable of dropping 13 miles, and then you don't need to be like, all right, so to get ready for the next one, I want to make sure that I can run 13 miles. Wait, you've already checked that box. Mm-hmm. Just realize you've checked that box before you start the next plan that's focused on trying to increase your mileage buildup. Yeah, because I think you know it's important for us to recognize that each training cycle that we go through has a purpose, right? And there are physical and mental benefits that we gain from each of those cycles. And those things build on each other, right? Both physically and mentally. Like Kevin said, you know, if you had just finished training for your first half marathon and completing your first half marathon, a lot of the mental challenge and physical challenge was building that mileage, but now you've done that, right? So now what's the next challenge? It's not really the same challenge as where you were say three months ago when you were only capable of running five miles, right? You're now capable of running 13 miles. 
So now would you like to make that 13 miles a little bit faster? Would you like to continue to build and you know work up towards a marathon distance, right? But what you can do is you can take all of the physical lessons and all of the mental lessons that you learned during that half marathon training cycle and use them towards your next one, right? And this is the thing of, this is how you can create longer lasting bigger results in your running. What you can do is you can take these training cycles and stack them on top of each other for you to achieve bigger goals. And if you do so in a very like planned out and calculated way, then you're like, for example, you know, I'm going to train for a 10K right now. Like right now I'm capable of running six miles. So I know I can complete a 10K, but maybe right now I want to work on my speed. So I'm going to really focus on getting faster, making my 10K faster. And then once I do that, maybe the next cycle I want to do is building up to that half marathon or Mm -hmm. that full marathon, right? So I build some speed during this cycle. And now I'm going to transition to trying to hold on to that speed and, and then building my endurance, right? Like what Kevin was saying, you kind of try to hold on to what you've built and then add on the next layer to help you to continue to progress as a runner. Yeah. I mean, one of the big things that, that sticks from one training plan to the next is the mental benefits Mm -hmm. that you've gained. Like if your longest run is five and your goal is to run a half marathon, probably, and I I may be wrong with some of our listeners, but I'm guessing that most of our listeners, the biggest mental hurdle is suddenly running double digit miles. Mm -hmm. Like that just seems substantial for our European runners. Suddenly you're going from being able to run in the 10, in the teens to over 20 kilometers when you do it. Like it just seems like you're cresting a whole nother layer. So Mm -hmm. that's a big mental hurdle go over. Once you've crossed that, it's a whole lot less of a mental challenge mm-hmm. to be like, I'm, I'm capable of running 13 miles because you know you are, yeah. you've already done it. So the mental challenges, hold on, physical benefits, these guys, they, you can increase them and lose them at different rates depending mm-hmm. on what they are. Some of them build up pretty quickly, but then they also fade somewhat quickly. Um, some of them take a little bit more time to build up, but because of that, they also kind of fade off a little bit more. Like endurance, for example, it's going to take you three to four weeks to lose a solid endurance build like base that you've created here. So if, can you give us an example? So if you've trained and you're capable of running 13 miles mm-hmm. and you, you run your half marathon and then you're sore. So then you take the entire next week off, literally don't even run. Like you just take it off. And then something that you've been pushing off at work because you were focused on, you know, keying in for this half marathon. Now work got really built up. Maybe it was a like a destination half marathon. So you've got this pile of stuff that you've got to deal with at work now. All right. I'm getting out there and I'm maybe doing like 30 minutes, a couple of times a week, maybe three times a week. That happens for a couple of more weeks. Now, now you're three weeks since your race, you're probably five weeks since your last really long run leading up to the race, you're still fully capable of going out and doing it. Like you can completely go out if you wanted to, it would not feel super comfortable, Mm -hmm. but your body is fully capable of going out and knocking out 13 miles. It might not feel as great as it would have a month ago, but you're fully capable of doing it. Whereas if you build up to run like your fastest mile ever, you run your PR mile, you go out, you crush it. Like you're really working on high end speed. And then because of that same scenario, you're sore. So you take a few days off. Then you got stuff that comes up with work or the kids or whatever it is that comes up. And there's another two weeks. Most of that speed 
is drastically reduced. Oh, that's so unfortunate, isn't it? <laughs> you can build back into it fairly yeah. quickly. It's so it's not gone. So what you're saying is that endurance sticks around longer than speed. Endurance sticks around longer than speed, but it's also trickier to build back up than speed. Endurance is trickier to build back up. For most people, there are high adapters in both worlds. Yeah. And I believe this kind of compares well to you and I, mm-hmm. is I can increase my my ability to just keep running, I think, smoother than you can. But if both of us were like, hey, let's see how fast we could run a mile right now, you would get closer to your mile PR ability faster than I would get to my myopia. You think so? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's an interesting thing to think about, but it's also, you know, can show you the power of putting these things on top of each other. Yes. Very much. Which goes to the other point you were covering. Uh, which point? The, how do you can springboard one training cycle into the next one? Right. Right. Yeah. So we were talking about like taking a 10 K like building the speed up in that, and then going for longer distances. You can also do the opposite, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can build up like your mileage. And even if you're not training for a race, maybe you just want to build some endurance, build some mileage. Maybe you want to work up to that 10 mile double digit point. Like even though you might not really have a half marathon on your mind right now, right. It's still very important and beneficial for you to build that mileage. Like this is what we do with our cross country team. You know, like we coach a high school cross country team and we still build them up to have a longer run. Like every single race that we do in cross country season is a 5k. It's only 3.1 miles for them every single race, but we're building up throughout the course of the summer and the season to be able to run up to like seven or eight miles because having that endurance as a base will help you with those higher end speeds, not not directly, but indirectly, right? Because when you're building that base and you're building that endurance, you're building your aerobic capacity, which like we've talked about in previous episodes, builds the number of mitochondria that are present in your cell. It's building your capillary network so that we can get blood to those working muscles quicker. It's um, improving your uh, body's ability to use oxygen and to burn fat and to burn glucose and to burn all these different fuel sources, right? So you're benefits from endurance training will carry over to help you with speed. So um, this is kind of the classic base building. That's what I was about to say. It's classic base building. Classic base building is like, you know, we, well, since we're talking about cross country, like we'll just talk, you know, summer training is classically just build up your mileage, build up longer, slower distances over the summer. And then once we hit race season, then we'll get into some of the speed work and speed sessions and all that to help make take those, that endurance space that they've built over the summer and now just make them faster. Right. And we can do this as real life runners too. We can go through a a classic base building cycle where we just kind of focus on building an easy mileage. And then the closer we get to that race date, you kind of hone in more and do those more race specific and speed-based workouts. Right. But one of the other big principles that we have at Real Life Runners is that we never really ignore anything. Right. So even during the time that you're really focused on building up, you know, if the main focus is I can run three miles, but your goal is to be able to run 10. Okay. Even as you work and your key focus and the time that you want to make sure that you're recovered and prepped for your run is your long run. 
also during the week, you're going to have a little bit of speed. Mm -hmm. You're going to have some strides. You're going to continue to do your strength training and stuff like that. One of the things that people really miss out on during base building is the strength we required to change from being able to run three miles to running 10 requires a whole heck of a lot of physical strength, not just cardio endurance Mm -hmm. of being able to like breathe and and keep your heart going and lungs turning for that long. But literally the, the strength endurance in your legs and back and like all sorts of muscles to be able to support you to be out there for that long. Right. People kind of skip over that part. Well, because people think about strength as brute strength a lot of times, right? Like your ability to lift a certain amount of weight, which is important for us as runners. As runners, it is important for us to actually do like resistance training and lift weights. But there's also something that we need to think about called muscular endurance, right? Mm -hmm. There's cardiovascular endurance, and then there's also muscular endurance and how resistant your muscles are to fatigue. Like how many contractions are your muscles able to go through before they start getting tired, right? And that's what Kevin is really talking about when it comes to our muscles being able to support us as runners, as we increase our distance. It's not really, especially when we're talking about distance-based races, like, you know, the half marathon, the marathon, the amount of actual power and speed that you have are not as like the, the demand for that is not as great as say, if you were racing a mile or a 5k, Mm -hmm. you're going to need more speed and power in those shorter distances. But in the longer distances, your muscles need to be able to not fatigue as quickly. And that is strength. That's not just endurance. Like people, it's a muscular endurance, but it's also the strength of the muscle, the amount of muscles that you're able to recruit. And that's where like the power training and that kind of thing comes in and helps to, um, help you in those areas, like with muscular endurance, because if you have more people doing the same job, like I always like to think of it as like lifting up a piece of furniture, like a couch, right? Like if you have one person or two people trying to lift a couch versus four people, it's going to be much easier for four people to lift a couch and to move it versus just two. And if four people are doing the job, those four people are not going to be as tired. They're going to be able to lift and move more pieces of furniture because they don't fatigue as quickly. So the same thing goes for your muscles. Like the more muscle fibers that you have involved in each, each muscle contraction, the longer those muscle fibers will last because they're not doing as much work with each lift or with each contraction. Right. They're also working in a coordinated manner. Right. If you're trying to get a whole group of people to, to lift and move a couch, it's all helpful if they know which direction they're going. And the Pivot. one isn't, the one's not trying to steer it the other direction. Pivot. Yes. The, the one keeps turning left. Everyone's <laughs> no, we're going straight. And this guy's like, I'm going to trying to clap along to the beat of the song. And the mm. one guy's not clapping correctly. That's not helping your muscles work smoothly together. Yeah. So stacking these cycles is really key. If you've got a race, then sure, taking a little bit of recovery after a race before jumping into the next one is good, Mm -hmm. as long as that that, um, recovery cycle doesn't extend too long, so you can then still use the benefits of one. But if you don't have a race, you point out you could build the endurance and then slide into some speed, or you could build some speed and slide into endurance. That's the whole idea that your foundation, your base building does not just have to be miles, is you could work on building speed and then go to building endurance off of that guy. If you don't have races that are sort of derailing you, then the time to be like 
all right, I need to make sure that I spend a couple of weeks or a little bit of time on recovery is when it starts feeling pretty oppressive to go out and run. Like I, I just, I don't know if I could put together another solid training week. Mm -hmm. You need some downtime then. Yeah. Like your body just needs that. If you race periodically and you're like, I'm pretty sore. I need a few days to recover from this one. It's like naturally built in because it follows race. Mm -hmm. But if you're like, all right, I'm going to use 12 weeks, to just increase how long I can run. And then I'm going to follow that immediately with to see how fast I can run by the end of those what 24 weeks, you might be kind of tired and you might need a little recovery time in there. Yeah. And this is why it's so important to know where you've been, right? This is what we're talking about here in step number one is like knowing where you've been, what foundation do you already have in place? That's really important for your future success. Like you, you need to know where you've been And then we're going to go into step two and step three here in a a second, but like knowing where you've been is super, super important and building up that base, that foundation ahead of time is critical for your success in future races. And this is one of the things that like, I always try to tell my patients, like people that come in say with knee pain and they're like, well, I'm not sure. I'm like, my doctor thinks that I might need surgery. I might need a knee replacement. I might need meniscus surgery, whatever a surgery it might be. So I don't know if this is worthwhile because I might have to have surgery anyway. And I always tell them like, it's always worthwhile. It's always worthwhile for you to get stronger. Even if the outcome turn, ends up, ends up being surgery. If you can go into surgery with those muscles being stronger, already knowing the exercises ahead of time. Like, that's why I think that quote unquote prehab is super important. They've actually done research studies on this that show that people who undergo like four weeks of prehab of like going to physical therapy before a total knee replacement, they end up having better outcomes afterwards. And so much of that is because they build up their strength ahead of time. So they get to keep that and like into surgery with them. They already get to learn some of the exercises so that when they get out of surgery, they already know them. And there's such a thing called muscle memory. Those, Mm -hmm. your muscles are able to, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember this exercise. We've did this before, right? So they're able to kind of jump into the rehab exercises more effectively without trying to figure out like, how do I do that exercise again, right? Which, Which way is my leg supposed to go? Right, and so like, if you are in better physical shape prior to the surgery, your outcomes after the surgery are going usually going to be much better. Right. So you carry over what, what came from before the surgery mm-hmm. into post-surgery. Exactly. All right. So our, our second thought here is know where you currently are. Okay. Recognize your current strengths and weaknesses. This is critical. Like not just know where you've come from, because you want to make sure that you you're carrying over previous stuff, yep. but are you, how much of that are you carrying over? Like to highlight a little bit of what we said in the first one is how much time has gone because different physical traits kind of fade at different rates. They also build back at different rates. So you need to know where you currently are, not necessarily your final goal result, but where are you currently at so that you know how to best begin your training plan? Right. And a lot of the mistakes that we see here are that people, they kind of want to be at that physical goal at the start of the plan. They're like, you know, well, I want to be able to run a half marathon at this pace. And so they end up like trying to do their workouts at the beginning of their plan at that goal, at that goal pace. Right. And they often ends up leading them to like, be constantly pushing themselves to like be in shape to run a PR, right? And a lot of times what happens instead of actually using that whole cycle to build yourself up, they're kind of using that cycle to try to like be in 
PR race shape right now, because what they're doing is they're overvaluing where they've been Mm -hmm. right. Instead of like continuing to see one thing just as, okay, this, that built into this and this built into this. And they just kind of assume like, okay, well, I've already got all this other stuff. So I should be able to run this right now. Yes. Right. (laughs) Cause you always want to be, you want to be that next step right now. Like I know how fast I'd like to be able to knock out repeats, but one, it's essentially like running on the surface of the sun outside right now. And two, I don't have the speed that I've used to have before. Well, and I think that it's also important important because I think what, one of the biggest mistakes that I see here are people that maybe just ran a PR relatively recently, but then they kind of did have that down cycle yep. that they didn't really account for. So maybe that half marathon that you ran was like three months ago and you kind of like have floated a little bit, like you've been running, maybe you've been, you know, doing some easy runs. Maybe you've even been doing some speed workouts, but then you decide you're going to start your next race training cycle but yet you've had three or four months here where you haven't really been doing any structured sort of training. And so a lot of people then just assume that when they start that new training cycle, they're exactly where they were at the end of the last one. Yes. Right. And that ends, that leads people to really pushing harder than they should be pushing, especially at the beginning of that training cycle, which leads them to overreach physically and mentally, right? Like, cause now they're trying to hit these workouts that they maybe were hitting at the end of the last cycle, but now they're at the beginning of this and they're like, they just assume that these four months didn't happen. Right. (laughs) Like, and so what happens a lot of times here is a lot of frustration, right? Because they're not hitting those times that they were able to hit a couple months ago. Um, and then they, push harder, right? They try to double down and push oh, harder always double down. because they're like, well, this is what I'm capable of. This is what my, my last race was like, I should be able to do this. And then they end up getting injured, right? Because they're ignoring the lack of structured training over those past few months that, you know, in between their cycles. Right. And so they're fully on board with step one yeah. of they. this is what I have recently done. Yeah. And the recent kind of goes up in quotes there. Of, I was going to say recently yeah, is in quotes. That's yeah. the thing is recently depends. Like, what is it that you're trying to rely on from your previous cycle? Did it fade? Like, yes, mental skills stuck around, which is part of the challenge there is mentally, you know, that your body has been capable (laughs) of doing this. It's just how recently was that? You know, what, what has happened between those, the, between then and now Mm -hmm. you need to recognize where you're currently at because all good training plans are based off of training based off of your current abilities, not based off of of the future goal that you have. Like you have to keep an eye on that, but everything should really be based off of your current training abilities so that you're not perpetually overreaching. Right. But it's, and it's also not where you were yes. too, right? Like, I think that this is one of the things that we get wrong a lot, right? I, I think that some people base it on where they want to go, right? And yeah. they're just like, they train as if they're already there. They're, that's one mistake that people make. So why we have three steps. But there's this. a lot of people that train where they used to be, right? Like they have this idea uh, in their head of like, well, this is what I used to do. And this is where I used to be. And that, uh, so I'm probably the same now, but yet they don't take into account how much time has lapsed from their, you know, that ideal of themselves or any life situations that have happened. Like there are a lot of women, especially that fall into this trap of like after they have a baby, right? Like when you're like, well, this is what I was running before I had a baby and then I had a baby and now I'm going to start training again. And they try to jump in basically right where they 
used to be and they get frustrated as heck and they get injured and they get burnt out and they're just wiped out. Plus now they have a child to take care of, right? Like their entire <laughs> life has been completely shifted and altered. And a lot of times we don't like to acknowledge that, but we need to acknowledge that for us to get the best results. And that's why knowing where you are right now and starting your training from your current abilities is really, really important. So if you are just coming off a training cycle and you had just, you know, have just run a race, like within the last month, right? Cause like Kevin said, you know, a lot of those benefits will stick around for a few weeks, yep. right? So if you've run that race within the last month, that's a good marker to use. If not, you should reassess where you are when you start a current training cycle, right? So you, you need to know that current point so that you can have the best success in that training cycle that you're about to start. Yeah. Training with a focus on where you have been at some point in the past and just assuming that you must be there and keep grinding it out day after day based off of what you used to be some previous years ago is what I like to refer to as the second half of my twenties of just, <laughs> Hey, Hey, remember when I was running at a D one college level, let's pretend that I'm still there. Yeah. It did. It was not necessarily the most successful of cycles. Well, like, I think this is what gets people into that vicious running cycle because right? it, there are times where you go out and it that that workout does work out mm -hmm. perfectly yeah like you got phenomenal sleep everything was eating well going into that you recovered and maybe you tie together two or three days in a row that you feel like superhuman you're like i am exactly where i was before and now <laughs> i'm going to jump even further forward and then the next day comes out and it just no i got nothing like my legs are lead i feel terrible i can't keep up with any of these paces mm -hmm. you're not sure why and the answer is because you don't have that full foundation right. so sure everyone's well, you are able to jump up and go back to that place that you maybe have been in the past mm -hmm. or leap up and run a, uh, a workout at a pace that is this goal PR that you have in mind, but you can't do that every single day. Yeah. You try and hit that every day. One, you, you're just going to miss the time. So then you're going to leave this, this disappointment when you head out on your runs, because sometimes it's there and sometimes it's not. And then you're trying to get confused about like, what was it that gave me the magic win? It's because Training does not necessarily progress to perfect linear advancements in your improvement. Darn it. That'd be awesome if it did, <laughs> because it, I, the engineer brain in me would just be like, look at this amazing formula, plug the numbers in and go. But mm -hmm. it's, it's not how it goes. Like you just keep putting in work. You wouldn't need like running coaches if that was the case. I know. Well, like so would, there, that would, would be learn, the problem too. Well, you, you would learn the, the system and then just follow that for the rest of your life. Yeah. I mean, that'd be convenient. And then we just keep getting faster infinitely. Mm -hmm. So all races would be won by like octogenarians. That'd be cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, but your training, as much as you want to keep putting in the training, it's not going to always lead to linear improvements. There's going to be plateaus. Mm -hmm. And we talk on this, on, you know, within real life runners about, you know, not getting stuck on the plateau plateau. That doesn't mean that the plateau doesn't exist. That just means recognizing it and then seeing how to get off of the plateau. Your, your results may still kind of climb a little bit and then flatten off, maybe regress every once in a while and then climb again. Sometimes the plateau in continuing to train on and living at that pl plateau is what leads to that shocking overnight breakthrough where you're like, I don't know how I took three minutes off my 5k PR. I've been stuck at this level for so long. Yeah. Because you were training appropriately at that 
level. You were training at that level and suddenly you got the breakthrough. It's when you're, you're on the plateau and you keep pretending that you're not. So you keep pushing harder and harder and harder. Now you regress because you've hurt yourself because you're so frustrated. You fall off the wrong direction off the plateau. Train where you are and see eventually that you're going to pop forward off of this thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like this is kind of the same thing as like the overnight success, Yes. right? Like in business or mm-hmm. in uh, not social media. I mean, I guess social media kind nowadays, <laughs> um, just, I was going to say like in media or in movies or whatever, right? Like you, you see these people that just kind of seem to pop out of nowhere and they are like the the quote unquote overnight success. But what you ignore is like the five years that they've just been grinding, right? (laughs) Like that they've been going, we'll just take acting, right? Like an actor pops onto the scene and all of a sudden they're in like every movie. Right. And they're like, Oh my gosh, where did this guy come from? He's like, he's been doing auditions for the last five to 10 years. Right. And like honing his craft and taking crappy commercials and like doing all these other things, right. To get him. And to the point where he finally had that breakthrough, right. When you finally have that breakthrough, it's not just like, you know, Oh, all of a sudden it's because you've been doing the hard plateau, boring work for so long and building up that base, building up that foundation both in mileage in, in and in speed and in strength and in nutrition and getting proper recovery and sleep, like all of that stuff that you need to build that strong running foundation. That's what leads to those breakthroughs. It's not just like some magic workout that you do. It's not you pushing harder over and over and over again. And then finally you break through pushing harder over and over and over again. is just going to continue to break you down and not and make you not capable of that breakthrough. Yeah, uh, that's why I love the website IMDb, where you're like, man, who is that actor? What I feel like I've seen them before, mm-hmm. but I, I've never seen them in like a leading role. And you you click on, you get their their history, and they're yeah. like, oh yes, they played man number three, and mm-hmm. then they also played the like, random person in Grey's Anatomy. Yes, like un, uncredited man on sidewalk. Yeah. Like uh, okay, so they've been in thirty movies. Mm-hmm. They got credit in like twenty of them because the other one they were literally just a background character, mm-hmm. and now suddenly somebody decided to give them a speaking role and then they said I'll line in a movie and yes they've been doing things right. you just so you're like ah, I recognize this person but I'm not sure why it's because they've been in the background oh my gosh but that's so putting in all the work it's so funny that you say that because I was literally just on TikTok last night and I've like found this guy's video popped up on my thing and it was funny and like I looked so I like clicked on his profile mm-hmm. and he said I'm that guy from that thing you saw like yep. that's his, how he, he names his profile. And he had one of his TikToks of like, huh, how do I know this guy? Like, you know, and, and then it flashed like, um, like one second scenes of like all these TV all shows things, that yep. he was in, but like he was some random character in yes. them, you know? And um, all of a sudden he's like blown up on TikTok and he's a quote unquote overnight sensation, yep. you know, creating videos on TikTok yep. and has like 4 million followers. Is the guy that you've seen. You're yeah. Like, I know that face, but I'm not exactly right. quite sure why, but you've seen the face over and over. Yeah. Um, so one of the things on this guy is knowing that you're training at the- Not at, the TikTok guy. Not the TikTok guy. One of the things on, on the, the- Unknowing where you are. Running aspect of this, <laughs> knowing where you are. If you're pushing too hard all all the time. If you're trying to constantly train above your level, what that means is that you're going to lack the energy to do all of the parts of the foundation that you need. Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked about, do you need to build the speed? Do you need to build the strength? Do you need to build the endurance? Like what is it that you need to focus on, but you can't miss any of the levels. You kind of, you, you, 
don't necessarily focus as much your priorities are different but they should all still be there and if you're training above your level then the ones that are not like your key priority may fade to zero mm -hmm. like that's the problem is like all right well I'm, i really wanted to build up my endurance i used to be able to run 10 miles so i'm just going to go out and run 10 miles now you're too tired for the next three days to get in the strength session yeah now you're skipping the speed session and suddenly you're losing all of these other abilities and you're like this is not a good plan. You're constantly hurt. Ice is not a long-term plan. Like that's just not a good long-term training plan. What I, what I, I take this one, out. ice and incense. This is not a long-term plan. Like I, I, I'll pop some Advil beforehand and I'll just cover myself in ice afterwards is not going to be the year upon year effective training schedule. Right. So instead of going out and running that 10 mile run that you really want to do mentally, it's much <laughs> better for you to just go out and run five and the next day go out and run five. And then the next day go out and run three, right? Like, and, and continue to build up those smaller, like those shorter runs where you're just able to successfully complete them and not feel awful afterwards. Right. And then yes. you build up to that 10 mile run. And I think that this is part of patience, right? Like so many of us, so many runners, we lack patience because we don't want to wait to get to the thing. We already want to be to the thing, but then what's the point of the whole journey, right? Like this is one of the things that we love to talk to our clients about, you know, inside the Real Life Runners Training Academy. It's like, what's the rush? Like the, running is a journey. And if you can fully accept where you are and know where you are right now, then you get to just enjoy the journey to get to where you want to go, which is number three, okay? So we talked so far about like knowing where you've been, right? And using that to your advantage, knowing where you currently are and being brutally honest with yourself about it. And now to truly set yourself up for success, you will have to know where you want to go. You have to know, obviously, what race you want to, um, to complete, what your goal is for that race. You know, do you have a time goal? Do you just have a goal to complete it? Um, anytime you, the, the first time you do a race of any distance, we would suggest the goal just being completion because you really don't know how it's going to be. Um, and a lot of times if people, if you set a time goal in your head before you've ever completed that race distance, it can lead to a lot of disappointment, which is kind of stinky. Like if it's the first time you ever run a half marathon or a marathon and you're disappointed at the end of it, like that kind of stinks, right? Yeah. Like that's why like setting that goal of just like being able to complete it. And then you kind of see where your time is. And then from there, going back to like, you know, step one of this whole process, like using the, the last training cycle to then get faster and, and to decide where you want to go is, is really important. But a lot of times what happens, um, is that people kind of, they know where they want to go, right? They know that this is the race that I'm going to run. And this is the time that I want to, to run that in. And so oftentimes they try to focus too quickly on race specific workouts. So they're like, well, if I'm running a half marathon, um, then I should probably start doing all of my long runs at half marathon pace. Yes. Right. Like I'm going to focus on that pace. Cause I know that I want to run it at nine minute pace. So all of my long runs, I'm just going to start doing it at nine minute pace. And this is not an effective, not the most effective trains, um, method, right. To, to train this way, because a lot of times what happens is that they end up getting too tired, fatiguing themselves mm -hmm. and really trying to focus on that race pace type of workout. And essentially they just 
don't make the progress that they want to make. Right. So what often happens, because we get the same thing with kids on our cross country team yeah. is they think that every time they do something where they're pushing themselves, it needs to be like, whether it's a workout or an actual like early season race, everything needs to be their goal 5k PR on the season. This or is what pushing as hard as they can. Yes. Pushing as hard as they can, which Especially is- Especially like our freshmen that don't understand how to pace themselves. Right. So then they're pushing way beyond 5k effort. Yeah. Like, okay, when we're racing a 5k, you have to be able to run three miles today. We're going to do quarter mile repeats. Like, okay, sweet. So I just sprint for a quarter mile. No, no, that's not at all what we want you to do. Like, okay. But I'm going to sprint the first one. Like, no, please don't sprint the first one. Like <laughs> what ends up happening often, it, once we've convinced them that sprinting is not the thing, then they fall into, okay, but I just need to run it at my perfect ideal 5k race pace. And what happens is it leads to a lot of racing within practice. Yeah. And then they, they race the workout on a Thursday. So they show up on Saturday and they just feel completely flat because they literally left their race PR on the training course on Thursday. Yeah. Okay, there it they is. They push too hard during the workout. There it is sitting on the track. It's, it's there on the trails. Right. Now you show up on race day and you didn't bring the PR with you. You left it on Thursday. Like, oops, you forgot what was supposed to, you forgot the goal of the plan. The goal of the plan is to be really fast on race day, not really fast on like week three of a 12 week plan. That was not the goal. The goal wasn't win week three. The goal was. The goal is to win every week. Let's be real. <laughs> the goal is to win every week, but you don't Mentally. win every week by pushing as hard as you can. Sure. Right. Like the goal is not. A, it's, it's redefining what winning is. Yes. The goal is not. <laughs> I, I need to run this 600 meter repeat as fast as I possibly can. No, you don't. Like not if, if the goal is not all out 600s, then that should not be the goal of that workout. Winning means running in control, running like the suggested pace, running a pace that makes sense based off of your current ability, not based off of where you'd like to be a couple of months down the road. Well, and running with a structure, running with a plan, right? Like understanding that the, the best way to structure a training plan is to have a specific goal for every single run that you do. Sometimes that means it's an easy run where you're just kind of going at a nice, easy, relaxed pace. Sometimes that's a long run. So you're going out and you're trying to increase your distance. Sometimes it's a speed workout, right? And when you're doing a speed workout, that doesn't mean like Kevin said, that you're going out and trying to run as hard as you can. Like it's different, right? Sometimes you're doing quarter repeats. Sometimes you're doing half mile repeats. Sometimes you're doing mile repeats at different paces and at different effort levels, because you're trying to train different systems of the body to prepare your body to be in the best shape that it can be for the race. Right. And so this is why a lot of times, you know, the way that we like to train people and, um, and, and teach our clients to, to set up their plans is to, Make when you're doing speed workouts and when you're structuring the plan, the further away from race day you are, the less specific those workouts should be. Okay. So, for example, if you're training for a 5K, and, and this is what makes cross country um, kind of quote unquote tricky to coach because every race is a 5K, right? So, yep. it's not that we're trying to um, like build them up to this one distance or this one speed, but the goal is to have them peak at the end of the season, right? And so there are some races that we will do what you just described, right? We'll have a hard speed workout on like 
Thursday or Wednesday and then race on Saturday and their legs are going to be dead, but the goal is not to PR at that race. And some of them still will, right? Especially the like newer especially runners, <laughs> especially our newer runners, right? Cause like, it, it's fun when the, when they come in as freshmen and like every race is a PR just cause they keep getting a better shape. Right. Yeah. But then when they get to be like a junior, a senior, and they're like starting to not see those PRs every single race. Right. And we're like, yeah, that's because we're training for the end of the season. The goal is to get to the state championship and have that be the peak, right? Like we want you to peak at the state championships every year. That is the goal. And so the further away from that, when we're training in August, when we're training in September, we're not doing workouts to hone in on that peak PR race pace. Right. And right? They, they always get a little bit disappointed. <laughs> and then we get this, this race where we, it's the last race of the season that we have our entire team. It's before the rate, the team cuts down to just the varsity runners yeah. and everybody goes out and they crush it at the County meet. Mm-hmm. And they're like, coach, I just PR by two and a half minutes. I'm like, yes, that's because you didn't PR all season long because we actually were training you to be able to peak at this race. Right. The, the goal of the season was the smile you currently have on your face. Yeah. So you remember that disappointment you had last week because you're like, I don't know. I didn't feel great last week. It's because you feel awesome today. It's all Almost like we coached you appropriately. It's, <laughs> it's fun that way because they're so excited with the PR at the end. Right. And that's why, you know, like, so, you know, how do you apply this to you? Like, so if, if it's a 5k, if it's a 10k, a half marathon, whatever it might be, right. The further you are from that race distance, the less specific your workout should be. So if you're aiming for a 5k, you're going to want to kind of start with more of those slower miles. Like we were talking about building up that base and then putting in like some strides so that you're still kind of hitting very short, you know, bursts of that higher end speed. Right. So, cause like we said, even though you're focusing on different things, it doesn't mean that you completely ignore certain aspects of your training. Right. Yeah. So you're, you're doing a lot of slower, easier miles, building up that endurance, throwing in some strides for speed. And then the closer you get to that 5k race that you're aiming for, you know, then you start doing more like mile repeats at 5k pace or half mile repeats at 5k pace where you're trying to really hone in on that race specific pace. Um, because within those couple of weeks, right before the race, you're going to be close to the shape that you want to be in, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to be close to that peak. So you're going to be more able to hit those goal paces. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, and when you start putting in the the speed earlier in the, in a training block for a 5k, the speed does not need to be at 5k race pace. It either needs to be faster because you're doing much shorter. You're doing like strides, 15 to 20 seconds, 15 to 20 seconds. Maybe, maybe at most you're pushing up to like a quarter mile and you're doing that faster than 5k pace. And then as the season progresses, your intervals are able to stretch out and get a little bit longer instead of a quarter mile. Now it's a half mile. Now it's kilometers. Now it's miles, but the pace slows down a little bit because the pace comes back towards your new 5k goal pace. So you kind of like sharpen towards your 5k over the season. If you're training for a marathon, your goal pace is not that fast relative to how fast you can run. Mm. Like the, the pace that you can sustain over 26 miles and the pace that you can sustain like down the block are very, very different paces. Yeah. So it's like, how do you hone in on that? Well, it's okay to have some decent speed at the beginning of a marathon plan, because Mm -hmm. as you get close to race date, you're going to lose some of that speed because you're not as focused on it. Right. So there, and they're different body systems too. Yes. 
I've heard several coaches that suggested that the overall like big view of a marathon is get real fast at the beginning of the season and then hang on to that as much as you can as you build your endurance mm-hmm. because you're going to naturally lose some of that speed over the course of making sure that you can try and hold as much speed for 26 miles as you can. Right. You're going to lose some of the higher end speed. Right. So, you know, when you're doing those race specific types of workouts, you're going to want to progress them throughout the plan, right? You're not going to worry so much about hitting that goal pace at the start. You're just going to start getting used to doing the work, right? You're going to maybe start hitting quarter repeats or half mile repeats or mile repeats, but not at your 5k goal pace, right? Like just at maybe your current 5k pace Mm -hmm. or your current 10k pace, right? Just kind of getting used to doing the work, putting in those speed works and um, you know, earlier in the plan and then honing in on that race pace as you get closer. Yeah. This one's, I, I really like this concept here of when you are aiming for race specific workouts, because you can't just throw race specific workouts in, in the last couple of weeks, of the plan, especially if you're training for something longer, like a half marathon or a marathon, you kind of want to gradually progress the, the amount of distance that you can cover at half marathon pace. Like if you're like, all right, before I go out and run this thing, I'd like to be able to do like a steady state run of six miles at half marathon pace. You can't just drop that into the plan out of nowhere. Like you have to kind of throw that in. So earlier in the plan, you'd be like, all right, I'm going to do like three times a mile at my goal pace and see how that pace feels to you. Cause it's going to be real, um, it's going to give you a good explanation about maybe what's missing, maybe what you should focus on as your base. If you try and drop three times a mile at half marathon pace and your legs feel like lead, mm-hmm. it's possible that you don't have the speed and power built up. You need to focus on some strength. If you try and drop three times a mile at, at half marathon pace and you can't breathe, you need to focus on your longer, slower running because you don't have the cardio capability yet to be able to hold that pace. So when you sprinkle in uh, a much dropped down kind of volume of that workout earlier in the season, it lets you know, what am I missing Mm -hmm. to be able to actually sustain this late in the season as it gets closer and closer to my race? Yeah. And that goes back to all of those other components of your personal foundation, right? Like you have to know where you are and that's why base building it, yes, it, it includes mileage. It includes these different types of speed workouts, but it also includes your strength. It also includes, includes your recovery, your nutrition, like all of these other aspects for you to build that foundation so that once you get into that race training plan and closer to the race date, your body is able to handle the increase in training load, the increase in the speed work, the increase in the mileage. Like, And that all comes from all of the training that you've been doing outside of running as well. Yeah, hundred percent. The example I like to give on this one is every time we go to the beach, our kids, the kids next to us, there's always a kid digging a giant hole at the beach. And they always, for whatever reason, they like to dig until they reach water. Like the ocean is sitting right there, but they're going to dig a hole until they because reach water. Because it's cool. Of course it is. It is so cool when you like actually reach the water. Of course it is. But no <laughs> six-year-old kid with their plastic shovel ever starts the hole wide enough. Mm-hmm. So they start digging and they dig this hole that's maybe like six inches across. And then you can see them. They're digging so deep, their entire arm has disappeared in the hole. And then at some point, and it's always like the five or six-year-old with their plastic shovel, they get super upset because the walls of the hole crash in on it. 
because they didn't start by making the hole wide enough. They didn't, they didn't cast a large enough net. They, that's the problem of keying in on, well, my base has to be exactly this. No, no, no. Your base needs to encompass all sorts of things to give you the appropriate foundation. Sure. That might include increasing your mileage. That also includes, as Angie pointed out, your nutrition needs to be on point. A lot of people forget that aspect. That stretches the hole a little bit wider. Mm -hmm. I can't completely ignore my speed. Oh, I'm training for a marathon down the road. I actually want to make sure that I do increase my speed as I've got some decent mileage built up. Okay. Now the hole's a little bit wider. I want to make sure that I've got, you know, not just like A, B, and C, but A, B, C, D, E, F, G, all lined up. That hole that you're going to dig now starts wide enough. So now as you keep digging deeper and deeper, the walls don't come crashing in on you. Yeah. It just occurred to me that I'm like, it's always that kid that's trying to dig. Like the hole is literally as wide around as their arm. And then they get annoyed that the walls come crashing in on them. Mm -hmm. Start it wider. Make sure that your base is actually a substantial base. Yeah. And again, you know, the one thing I don't want you guys hearing here is like, oh my God, there's all of these things I need to consider. This sounds so overwhelming. This sounds like too much. I don't, I don't think this is for me. Like that's not what we're going for here, right? Our goal is to give you the big picture so that you can kind of figure out, okay, what are maybe the pieces that I'm missing? Because in all likelihood, you're not missing all the pieces. You've probably already started to develop a, a few of these pieces. And that so, was point one. Yeah, you have these. Exactly. You, you, you have to know, you know, what you've already accomplished, like, and then just kind of see, okay, how can I improve this just a little bit, right? Like you don't have to completely overhaul your, your diet and your nutrition unless you want to, but like okay, here's what I'm currently doing. How can I improve that a little bit? And like for a lot of people, as they are training, especially for longer races, they need to increase how much they're eating. They need to increase the carbohydrates because if they're not feeling like they can hit those paces, like they can hit that mileage, a lot of times it's a fueling issue, right? You're just not eating enough because you're still eating as if at the same way you were when you were running maybe 10 miles a week. And now you're running 20 miles a week, your body needs more fuel, right? And so we want to kind of expose you to all of these different pieces so that you can start to take and be like, okay, I'm just going to try this one, right? Because if you can improve one piece by like 10%, that might pay off and give you like a 20% improvement in your training. You know, you never know. So it's just kind of like seeing all the pieces and then taking one by one and just improving it by a little bit, improving it by a little bit. And that's why, you know, running is that journey, right? And if you can use one training cycle and one goal to build onto the next one, then you're just going to keep making improvements. They won't be linear, right? We've already <laughs> talked about that, right? But we want them to be as linear as possible, right? There's going to be ups and downs along the ways. There's going to be highs and lows. That's just part of all of it. Um, but when you can learn how to stack your cycles and kind of figure out those little areas of weakness or those little areas where you can start to improve, you're going to see massive payoffs um, when it comes to race day. So we hope that this was helpful for you guys and helped you really rethink your idea of what base building is and all of the things that go into base building and how you can take what you already have done, where you currently are and get exactly to where you want to go. So if you guys found this episode helpful, we would love for you to share it with a friend. Um, we now have a YouTube channel started. We are over on Instagram. We're on Twitter. I'm going to start tweeting a little bit more. We're on all the platforms at Real Life Runners. So if you guys haven't followed us on those platforms, please do so. Um, we would love to 
connect with you um, on whatever platform you enjoy the most. Um, I, I tend to be most active on Instagram. So that's usually where I send people. If you have any questions, you can shoot me a DM at Real Life Runners. And uh, if you haven't yet, we would love for you to leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast player because we create this podcast for you guys for free because we love helping runners to achieve their goals and to get faster and run longer and do all of it without injury and do all of it while just loving their life. So um, that is really our mission. So by you leaving a rating and a review, we can reach more people and help more runners to love running and incorporate it into their real life in a way that works for them. So if you haven't yet, we really, really would appreciate for you guys to leave that review, share this episode, and do all the things. And as always, thank you for spending this time with us. We appreciate it. We know you can spend your time doing a lot of other things, so we appreciate you guys being here. This has been the Real Life Runners podcast, episode number 263. Now get out there and run your life. <laughs>